Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Watch From Mercury. This is an anime watch-along podcast. I am your host, Maxim Alan Lan. I am your host, Alex Fossella. And, uh, that's, not how you, that's not how you say it. I just felt like there should be a, a hyphen there too. Inserting the hyphen. Dude, I uh, the hyphen is a trip. I still got to officially change my last name on like, my bank account and like work and stuff like that. But um, people get it wrong all the time. My They're... aunt, my aunt thought my last name was Maxim Allen Lee. I'm like, Lee uh, is my wife's name. What? I'm, I'm gonna let you in on a secret, but they're gonna get it wrong for the rest of your life. I wish yeah. that wasn't true for you, but that is what's going to happen. I never thought I had a tough name, uh, but when I started going by Maxim instead of Max, when I would introduce myself as Max, people always went Matt. And I was like, no, Max, uh... like Matt. And then now yeah. when I say Maxim, they like. We'll go Max. And I'm like, no, it's Maxim, like the magazine. And then they <laughs> I, go, oh. <laughs> I do like, well, that is annoying and dumb. It is kind of funny that you accidentally tricked them into saying at least an acceptable version. Maxim. Yeah. Max? Yes. Yeah, I can work with that. <sighs> and then with like having an easy last name, I was like, I'll hyphenate it. And it is easy, but then people like butcher it. I literally like... I have shown people like a comedy show host. I showed her on Instagram. This is my last name, Alan Land. And she brought me up as Alan Tan. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, I Anyway. Th- I, I don't think this is as annoying, but just I, uh, I am very, 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 very sick of explaining how many S's and L's are in my name to people on the phone. Because they almost never get it right. It's like two S's and two L's. Because I got to say that it's an L. And I guess like you got to do that. E is an elephant. D is an dog. You got to do that whole thing. And so like someone once was like F-O-S-S-B-L-L-A. I'm like, no, that's not how names work. <laughs> I don't think that would be another consonant. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your name and I'm like, how would I describe that to someone? But it is like two S's, two L's. No, yeah. It's not that hard. It's it, it. My name is the most Italian thing about me. Like, it's just. Mamma mia. Yeah, it's just like, that's, that's it. And also, fun fact, we've <laughs> never gotten a clear answer from anyone what it actually means. No mm. one. I've looked it up. Nothing. I have no idea what my last name refers to. I, I know more about my fan. Like, I know if you go far back enough, there's supposed to be your, your job or whatever. I could tell you the jobs of my great, great grandparents could not tell you why we were called that. <laughs> I'm sure it goes back farther than that. But you know what I mean? Like, I know more about my family history than about like, what the fuck is that? What 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 does my language think I am? I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know Alan is like, um, it's, it's like a generic like scottish name yeah like and i say that as someone who i who is almost like the ethnic majority of my makeup is like polish everything else is like Mm. a small tiny piece so i'm just like i don't know i'm just like an american mutt at this point i I did my 23 and me and you know it it changes based on like 
new information they get. So sometimes you're thinks you're one thing and then it changes whatever. Mm-hmm. When I first got it, this is now no longer there. That's why I said that. But I it said I was part Italian, part English and Irish and part Iberian, which is like Spain and Portugal. And I told mm-hmm. my dad and he was just like, ah, how do they know from a loogie? And I was like, did I just <laughs> fuck with my dad's identity? <laughs> I'm meaning to. Yeah. Wow. I uh, I haven't done 23andMe, but I do know I do know where the people came from on one half of my family, and I mm-hmm. don't really know about the other half very much. Okay, but one of one of my great grandfathers was an illegitimate hidden child, so the records get a little sketchy uh, around mm. there. But he knew his actual parents, which was fucked up because he was born with red hair. And so the father said, that's not my kid. Get him out of here. And he was given to a poor family who were really mean to him. And so he knew who his birth parents were. So he would go in the town square and throw rocks at them. Oh, wow. Because they were the life he could have had. And it's... Oh, my God. That is fucked. Don't yeah, that's, do uh, that. I had a family member who went through something similar where it yeah. was like, it's like, I can't believe people did this back in the day. My grandma was yeah. telling me that like our Polish lineage lineage only goes back so far because back in the day, if you had too many kids, you would just trade them to another family sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, that's draconian. Yeah, they're just like, oh, we have too many kids and we can't afford them. You don't have enough kids. Do you want one? And it's like, you want to raise this one and have it work on your farm or whatever. Wow. I mean, I as a communist, I still find that horrifying. I do when I say redistribute the wealth, I didn't mean children. Redistribute the love and affection. Basically. Basically. And speaking of love and affection, if you love us and have affection for us, you can you can subscribe to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. You get bonus episodes every month. This month, we sat down for two bonus episodes with Lawson Leong of the Ballin' Out Super Podcast and had a good time talking about his attack on Titan Hot Take and uh, Last Second Saves. Um, We also released our episode on Paprika. So it's good. We're working through the Satoshi Kon movies. Uh, February's movie is going to be Perfect Blue. And then the March's movie is going to be, what was it, Mastermind, was it? I forgot the name Uh, of it. But it's the we were Satoshi Cone. We were thinking of memories, but also we've promised way memories? back before I got sick that we were going to do the Attack on Titan movies. We got to do At them eventually because we I watched them. it and I wrote notes and they will not go to waste. <laughs> that was not a fun hour and a half. I was on my friend's podcast, uh, Film versus Movie, uh, hosted by Belton Delane Facey and Chris Sher. I highly recommend it to you guys. Basically, they watch a terrible movie and then one of them has to defend it and the other one rips it apart. So even if they both hate the movie, they will go to bat for it. And they had uh, Lee and I on for their Valentine's Day episode. And it was the movie Valentine's Day with like Ashton Kutcher and and Hathaway from like 2010. God awful movie. And it's two hours long. And I was like, I'm not making notes on this. I'm hating every moment of this. <laughs> did you have to defend it or did you get to rip it apart? Oh, we got to rip it apart as a couple. Okay. Oh, oh, that's sweet. And meanwhile, the two normal hosts, Belton and Chris, uh, defended it so well that it was making me mad that they weren't attacking <laughs> it. And then after we get done recording, Lee goes, so did you guys actually like that movie? And they're like, God, no. <laughs> but we have to defend it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. it, when you know that your reputation is on the line, the things that you can say in the moment, like um, 
I, I'm always kind of marveling at that speech and debate ability to just advocate for something that you in your viscera hate just because that's what you were cast with. And my friend Mallory was like, it's not that hard. Like, defend the case the crayons uh, are edible. I'm like, well, you can eat them when they're not toxic and you won't die. And she's like, now say they aren't edible. I was like, well, you know, while you can eat them, there is no nutritional value. So therefore, our cultural understanding of edible is not met. And she's like, see, that was easy. I was like, oh, wow. Morals are flexible, huh? <laughs> it was about Wait. crayons, but what else could it be about? It's my and just wait until you start getting listeners and money. <laughs> mm. Once I'm incentivized. And speaking of incentive, patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. Subscribe, get some bonus episodes, join the Discord. There are some lovely people in there. And those of you who subscribe already, you know, we are so grateful. Um, y'all been a good time to talk about anime with and talk about gunpla with and stuff. So get in there, patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. And before we get into the next episode of Metallic Rouge, it is time to read some listener mail, which Thanks you can send in to watchformercury at gmail.com. You can send in things we missed, things you like about the show, things you hate about the show, any beef you have, or just random compliments. Um, these people hate the show. I think. Yeah, the, I think we hate this our, show. <laughs> our our listener mail this week was particularly savage in a way that I don't fully agree with, but we'll we'll get to it. I feel like it's a it's a little jump in the gun to to anger, but hell hath no fury like an anime fan board. So it's like this isn't thrilling. Everyone will know. Yeah, it's um they uh they fucking yeah. I I, I feel like I got to just say this episode felt like what episode one should have been with like a little bit of a misstep. Like this felt like it was like, oh, this is the exposition that we needed about the situation. None of that alien shit. Yeah, I just to jump a little forward. I thought everything that happened in it was perfectly fun and competent. But didn't it feel like it should have been episode like seven? It was way too early for episode three. The Venus terraforming should have been a twist. The fact that there's a Gaza-like settlement of just neons should have been later. And that shouldn't have had a friend break up so soon. So I was like, all this stuff I would like if there was more gentle setup for it. I would have per... I think everything was fine for an early episode. But I think the friend breakup moment was way too soon. It was way too soon. So we will hear what our listeners think right now when I pull up the email that I forgot to open before recording. <laughs> As you keep saying second. things so that you can stall. Filling the dead air with my wonderful voice. Okay. Hell yeah. First up, we have a listener mail from our friend Fergal. The moment didn't arrive for fighting. Boo. Hello again. I Honestly, I thought I wouldn't have to say about this episode because it's gone full Blade Runner again without doing anything interesting to me and lacked a cool fight scene, which is so far the only thing I'm getting out of the show. But then I would figure I could go more in-depth with my issues so far. Just as, just as iconic as Alex's dislike of aliens is Maxim's dislike of too many factions. Other way around! That is definitely intentional. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this... If Fergal has been listening to this podcast for this long and has us mixed up, I would be so shocked. Um, I'd, be, I'd be like, what? what is happening? Anyway, mm -hmm. 
which is something I personally enjoy in large-scale sci-fi like Gundam and Dune, which for Mercury struggled with it near the end, but I think every faction in that show could have been used to explore the overall themes from different sides. A mega corporation that's fundamentally become a government, a resistance movement made out of the abused working class, and a governing body that's meant to keep the mega corporations in check but can abuse its own authority. If it had been if it had more episodes to effectively use them, um Oh, if it okay, sorry. Okay, which for Mercury struggled with it near the end, but I think every faction in that show could have been used to explore the overall themes from different sides if it had more episodes to effectively use them. Yeah. Which a longer show like Gundam Seed was able to more effectively explore in its own theme of racism through two warring races, a neutral faction struggling to survive in between them and factions within factions that had more extreme ideals. But this show really feels like it's juggling too much. The inspector guy and his assistant come from some group that the police have issue with. Rouge and Naomi are presumably working with some other group since the inspector is looking for them. The Immortal Nine are a group of Neons that need to be hunted down for some reason. Alters are a type of Neon that are maybe what the Immortal Nine are or maybe aren't. And Neons were created because of a war that involved two different groups of aliens that weren't even mentioned in this episode. Also a carnal also and also a carnival is about to be relevant for some reason. So far I'm not too invested because all this stuff doesn't really gel together into a cohesive plot. I agree. I think as I'm watching this, I'm like just trying to put my brain on coasting mode because it feels like it's trying to it feels like it has the elements of a better show there, but I am not seeing it yet. I have not yeah. lost hope, but it is taken a minute. I am sort of cautiously optimistic because while the the three episodes we got, each of them had kind of different problems. Um, the what we've gotten is competent enough that I'm like, hey, if this show does a, a twelve ep- like if the show ends up being twelve episodes and then it's done, we got a problem because then we're a quarter of the way through the show and this is what we what we're just going to keep getting. If this show gets a 12 episode season and then another one and another one. I'm okay that maybe the first handful of them, the pacing's a little wonky. And then once they get to tell the story that they want to tell properly, then it's okay. I can forgive a lot once they're figuring out how the wheels work, but they also have to make good on that. Yeah. I thought this episode, we're going to hit the gas pedal a little bit with like the immortal nine, but having another kind of exposition episode, is this it's like is this setting up for a great fight episode next episode or is it just going to keep falling on its face a little bit okay i i like that they set up that there's you know a neon group and that there's a settlement and they have a little bit of autonomy and all this stuff i thought again i thought all that was cool it should have come later in the in the season which yeah i i don't do we ever get a definitive answer if this is definitely only 12 episodes or if it's a 12 episode season I don't know. Because if it's 12 episodes, like I said, then we can worry. But I think if it's a 12 episode season, I'm not really stressing that that it's going to retain these problems all the way through. And I agree that Witch for Mercury, assuming it got more episodes, could have used those factions to tell a different story or the same story from different angles. But they didn't and they just kept fumbling the ball. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I don't want to not like this show because this show has all the elements of a show I would really like. Yeah. 
It's right I, there. <laughs> it's, it's right it is, there. It is right there. And that's why I, I said I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm a little concerned that we've now gotten our sort of second exposition episode in a row. I don't think it was clunky exposition, but it was exposition, which makes me think, okay, the pilot was more of a, an adrenaline rush. Maybe you should have mixed in a little bit of more information in there so we could go, eh, it was a pilot and then move me. Maybe the problem is they tried to do a thrilling jump into the world episode right away and then realized there was more to set up. But also I think, like I said, I'm not worrying about it. They're trying to set up a lot and it may be a little too much. Yeah, I think... Uh someone uh came up with the idea for this universe and they're like oh this isn't that hard we have humans we have the neons the neons were created because of this alien war we have the investigators uh or okrona uh and then we have alethea who's trying to exterminate the immortal nine who are our special neons uh and it's like Someone was like, okay, this like works really well. And then they were like, how many episodes do we have? And they're like, 12. And they're like, oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I would, again, I know we never, they keep this shit airtight. But if this ends up being a disaster, I'm going to want to know why. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Will we ever know? Probably not. Probably not. I was thinking about uh, the only other, that we've watched two other 12-episode anime on this podcast. And one is Chainsaw Man, which didn't need a lot of world setup and actually jumped did fucking awesome with handling it but it's also set in yeah. kind of a modern world so it doesn't need that much more context yeah and, like the only real difference is that there are big devil monsters and, and we also watched um zero eight ms team is 12 episodes or maybe it's 13 but that yeah. one also had the benefit of taking place in an already established setting so they could yeah. use their time more effectively. I feel like side stories don't count. And not, yeah. I don't mean not in terms of quality. I mean in terms of like pulling off a universe in 12 episodes. Because AFMS team, it's just like, hey, we're doing Gundam, but it's Vietnam. Okay, the, the, without the rest of Gundam... I wouldn't know what that means and would require a whole lot more setup. But because I do know what it means, you can just jump right to the Vietnam and I know exactly what you're doing. Right. I think uh, this show, uh, for me so far, with what we've seen and how long we've spent with it, I think the aliens, I'm going to be like, get rid of the alien theme and we could have a cleaner thing going on with less explanation. Yeah, yeah I... I like the idea of a of a war between two aliens and it getting and the and the political aftermath of that. But unless you can show me why it needed to be aliens relatively soon, as opposed to just there was a big war, as generic as saying a big war would have been, it would have been cleaner. Um if you can't do that, then it's gonna be like, okay, well, we took that big detour to aliens in episode two was it just so you could show off the cool spidery looking things because you could have done that with the military and you know i hope yeah, they're not I, window dressing i'm i'm curious how it's gonna play out but right now i'm looking at the aliens and going why wasn't there just a human neon war like yeah. and then the humans beat the neons by like somehow mass disseminating the asimov code to all of them oh that would have been really cool <laughs> like that it was a, a second thing that they they could harm humans and then they were all like 
hacked essentially that actually would be right. pretty cool and then you are don't we doing that thing where we wrote a better show while we're watching the show <laughs> are we doing it again we're gonna find out um we're gonna find out i don't think this anime is going to be like we are doing the most effort to immortalize this show out of anybody in the world right now it would I seem think. so yeah because i don't i haven't so. seen a single person talk about this show there's been no hype i'm like I know that there's like there's like there's so much anime that comes out and some of it's great, some of it's terrible. This one looked like it was gonna be great. I'm just hoping it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will reserve judgment. And like I said, if they fix some stuff, if this is just them working out the kinks and then episodes five through twelve are amazing and then it goes for a long time and is great. I am okay with the first ep- couple episodes being kind of like, all right, I get because if uh, assuming this was a show that already existed and someone said, all right, the first four are kind of weird and then it's bangers, we we wouldn't even be phased. We'd be like, okay, they handle it, but it's because it's so new. We're like, okay, is this? We're kind of trying not to jump to worse conclusions because we've been burned before as anime fans. Yeah, yeah. So. We'll see. Uh, continuing, um, Fergal's email. A general problem I have with the original animes these days is they're usually 12 episodes that throw in a bunch of stuff that doesn't get much exp- expansion or explanation, like they're adapting source material that doesn't exist. On the upside, the next Immortal 9 being named Phantom Verde seems to confirm that they're all named after colors, which is great. Contrary to how my points during episode 1 may have seemed like... seemed, Sorry. Contrary to how my points during episode one may have seemed, I do love tropes. I just want them to be well implemented, and it's going to, and it's it's hard to go wrong with a group of people that follow a particular theme like color coding. What's interesting to me is that Jalon and Verde, I'm like, are they all gonna be colors in Italian? Because Jalo is Italian for yellow and Verde is green. Are we gonna get Azzurre and Green well, Grigio and isn't isn't also, rouge rouge French and Verde French. could be span could be Spanish? Well, that's true. Yeah. So, so they're going to all be Romance languages. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Um, this also implies that Rouge may have some connection to them, like coming from the same origin, or maybe maybe having the same powers of one of the dead ones. Have a great day, and may your child have a thousand parents. That sounds like a nightmare. I know, right? <laughs> how would how would inheritance work, or bedtime stories? Did you listen to the behind the bastards on the Finders this week and last yes, week? Yes, I yes I did. Yeah, what they what they, this cult gave all the men in the cult the job of communally raising all of the children. So the dads did nothing. They didn't interact with the children at all. They're like, well, yeah, it's not they my were, problem. They were old. <laughs> they kind of tragedy of the commons, the children. It's like, ah, another dad will handle that. Like, no, yeah. some, some one dad, one dad. No, none, none. Okay. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Next email from Mike. Kind of wish we got an episode zero. Sup guys. Don't know about you, but I'm starting to wish we had a prequel episode. I get that with a 12-episode run, the pace has to be fast, but the obligatory buddy-duo split fell flat for me because I have no idea what Rouge thought she was signing on to or why she's even with whichever group she's with. Rouge is just peak is peak just because hero energy, and I don't feel like I have a good grasp on what she does and doesn't know or care about, which isn't great when we're getting political. 
I yeah, agree. I think you hit the nail on the head here. We have no idea what her internal motivations or expectations are. We never even got, and again, episode three, we we could get a big old flashback episode that fixes all of this, but where we're at right now, one of my main beefs with the pilot was she meets Naomi and she's like, oh, you were behind the birds. I'm like, well, what was that relationship then? How did you guys meet? Did you meet a bird? Did you someone say you're going to meet a bird and it's someone as your guy in the chair? Like what was happening before this? Because I, I understand they don't need to super go into we're killing the immortal nine. I would like a little more, but at, at a certain point, it's like they're bad. We have to take them out. But I would yeah. like to know more about who she is, why, uh, why she wants to kill these, why she's not subject to the Asimov code. And it feels like like we got to, to meet her big brother this episode. I think we're going to get all that. The question is, are we going to get it paced properly that it's satisfying? Yeah. Um, let's see. Continuing. Um, although, wish we didn't have any of, this, any of this stuff with the space FBI man and the Mars cops in this episode. I hope it pays off in any way next episode because that was a lot of nothing. <laughs> One thing I want to see is the whole economics of Neons. Have they just been running whatever machines the visitors gave them the entire time between the war with the usurpers and the present? They clearly stopped producing the military models. Otherwise, they wouldn't be considered more valuable than the regular ones. But how cheap are the regular ones then? Because this isn't Signalis, where they're mass producing a dozen or so robot designs. Each Neon we've seen is individualized. So constantly losing however many a year on Venus shouldn't be sustainable unless the cost is stupid low. Which then opens the question of, did the, uh, the, of, did the presence of Detroit become human, the economy, a.k.a. creating massive unemployment, wait, which then opens the que- up the question of, did the presence of Detroit become human, the economy, a.k.a creating massive unemployment and have other socioeconomic side effects. Does that explain the gradual shift in the treatment for the Neon Town? I can already hear the writers slash producers doing the Palpatine, quote unquote, stop asking logical questions at me. And all I can say to that is, quote, blame this on the misfortune of your writing decisions, Mike. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's slave labor, clearly. We've seen them working the fields like it's the the signifiers could not be more blatant. So I'm assuming I mean, they said a little bit in this one that the reason why they have like a neon advocacy group building is because they were given autonomy for a bit and then it was taken away. I don't know about you. I was getting major Palestine vibes from this episode and like they're really leaning into like the settlement uh, taking away the rights thing and like, oh, yeah. so. I I don't know what it looked like, and I do want to know what that looked like, and that's why one of the reasons why this episode was a little frustrating was because all that stuff about uh, the Neon Group and the terraforming of Venus would have been more impactful if we just watched some adventures first and knew what Neons are capable of and how they were made a little bit more fleshed out, and then have a big reveal that's like, oh, they have some kind of power that now we're going to work with because... You know, but but they jumped to it too fast, just like they jumped to the yeah. friend breakup too fast. And it's just like this should have been episode seven. It feels like episode yeah. seven, but it's episode three. 
I also, I like the economics point. Um, this reminds me of the guy who went through all the Harry Potter books and marked every time they spend money and how much money they spend on it. And oh, wow. was like, none of the money, the, the currency system doesn't even make sense. Like, how is yeah. the chocolate this much? But then like ordering a whole new set of robes is this much? What? <laughs> that's what, that's what, okay. We see the the ex-military, uh, the combat neon, Dahlia die. And the doctor is like, her employer is going to be mad at me because she died. Because presumably she's valuable. But they're also sending just a fuckload of them to Venus to just get um, melted. So, like, what's valuable? Yeah, well, they said they, the, the reason why they'd be mad at him is because they get some kind of kickback for taking oh, in ex-soldiers. Yeah, so the, I'm sure they don't. I assume to make them functional slave labor... They're probably not crazy expensive to make. They're probably more worried about the the bribe, essentially, of taking them over to here. So I was I was okay with that. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for writing in, Mike. Um, hopefully, we will get some uh, questions. Uh, next up, we have an email from Melancholy Price, uh, first time writer, writer in. So thank you. Unless you're writing under pseudonyms, which would be very odd for a podcast. Either uh, <laughs> that or we got an anime listener mail from an emo band. Yeah, right. <laughs> Subject line, zero chemistry, how to get it to 1%. Hello, Alex and Maxim. I feel like I should be enjoying Metallic Rouge. I look at the plot to episode three, and on paper, it should have been compelling and intriguing episode of anime. I don't think the writing is bad. I could even be described as good, good at times without the need for me to be maggoted on martinis or android heroin. I think the problem, the problem is there is zero chemistry between the two leads. In sub or dub, the problem is the same. I think it's astonishing that this has happened. How would you both fix it? Also, this show blew its first cliffhanger. Thanks, Melancholy Price. Hong Kong. Hey, we've added another country. <laughs> we've yes. added another place in the world to our listenership. Tomorrow the world. Um, I want to make be a thousand percent honest with you. Whenever someone says these people have no chemistry or these people have good chemistry, I have never understood what that even means. Never. I don't. I, no one's ever been able to explain to me what that means. I'm like, is it a, they're good actors together? Is it a writing thing? Is it like what is... What is that trying to tell me? It's just a shorthand I've never understood culturally. I think that mostly that all comes down to uh, writing and the actors in like live action shows. Like in a live action show, two people have good chemistry. If the actors are like friends and they like each other, mm. they're going to have fun and act better. And they might even get things that are not in the script into the film. And you can tell they enjoy being there. Um, with animated stuff like anime, what makes them have good chemistry? I think it all comes down to writing. I don't think they have bad chemistry, but I think their Naomi and uh, Rouge, their whole working relation, their whole relationship is like it. Kind of feels like um, it. It doesn't feel like true friendship, mm -hmm. which is odd for two leads of a show because that's what we're used to seeing. It's not really friendship, and it's not really coworkers. It's kind of like Naomi is sort of her boss, but she's like really nice. I don't yeah, know. I'm getting, here's the thing. I'm getting friend vibes, but the problem is we don't have the weight of what was their relationship like before we met them. So right. we, we meet this friendship. 
I don't know, a third of the way into it. They probably haven't known each other for that long. They're not close, close, but like whatever their partnership is, let's say they're, they're partners. But because we don't have a whole lot of backstory, we never got that episode zero type information. Anything they do that could have more significance and weight because of what we know they went through earlier, we don't get because we don't know any of it. Right. So I feel like, again, I don't feel like there's any problem with their banter. I don't think there's any problem with them breaking up. But my main problem is you got to give me more before you do these things. Unless you, you, you're you going to say we just met each other and we're having problems and you're my partner. But this uh, if you play it like a like a buddy cop kind of thing. But they're not. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it would be interesting to me if we had a little backstory on Naomi where we see that she is kind of like um, cold and dismissive about Neons. Mm -hmm. So when she's like, oh, they're just equipment and tools. And this episode, basically, she realized she actually hurt Rouge's feelings by saying so, right? Yeah. Where I feel like it was just kind of brought up and it didn't feel like it was something she like really believes but we also don't know the like what job they're doing and like yeah we don't know don't enough know. for this for this fight which i thought was well written enough to hit we didn't it's it's yeah. all payoff no setup if i wanted to improve the chemistry i would have set this up where something like um like naomi has a stake in rouge like maybe she's like really attached to her they are good friends so when rouge goes on these fighting missions or any of this espionage, espionage stuff. Naomi is like actually like really worried about her. Yeah. Like I think that would be interesting. Um, I think you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the fact that they meet for the first time properly in the first episode is kind of a hindrance because we, I'm guessing they didn't get to be besties while she was a bird robot. So right. it could have only been more of the same or even kind of less intimate. Yeah, I mean, it's so like, like, okay, if you're going to have them do stuff like this earlier, you have to make me believe they've been through it. Like, like we meet Spike and Jet first episode and they with one pilot that kind of ends in begins and ends in the same sort of place. You go, oh, this is just one of their stories. And you feel the weight of and they, they say we've been together for three years and because it was so crazy and because it ends in the same place, they're having bell peppers and beef again. You go, yep, it was this for three years and he's been cleaning up after his mess. And now I feel it's it's a much better get you right there than we're getting now. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Them meeting for the first time is odd. Yeah. When I meet coworkers that I've emailed with or had meetings with, remotely and then i meet them in real life at a thing it's not like we say hello we don't have chemistry <laughs> what, what happens when you part ways because one of them got rid of your chocolate if a coworker threw out my chocolate i would be furious me too <laughs> <laughs> my oh man I, I can't believe i'm gonna say this on a podcast uh like a week or two ago i bought some you know like cherry slices the candies mm-hmm I bought a bag of those. I don't eat a lot of candy, but I was like feeling I was at the grocery store. I got it and I started. I brought them home. I'm eating them at my desk and I ate like half the bag. So I was like, I'm going to put these in the pantry 
so I don't eat them all right now. I put them out there. I come out like three or four hours later and they are gone. And I go to Leah, I'm like, what, what happened to my candy? And she's like, you're what? And it's like my candy that was on the, on the shelf. She's like, I threw it away. And I was like, why would you throw it away? And she was like, I thought it was old. <laughs> oh, no. So I have been holding it over her head for two weeks. Of course, I'm not mad about it. It's like an accident. But like, if it was a coworker, I'd be like, you are fucking. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> At my first job out of college. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I tried to be a coffee drinker for a little <laughs> while. Um, and I was using milk that was in the fridge because I thought it was the office milk until oh. one day written on it was not <laughs> communal milk. I was like, oh, God, I didn't say anything because I was so ashamed, but I felt the shame. Oh, dude, this... I, I do feel terrible about that. Yeah, I, I had one of those where when I was lifeguarding, uh, someone brought in a whole pizza and the rule for lifeguarding in the guard room was if there's food on the table, it's for everybody. Like if yeah. there's pizza on the table, a lot of times what happens would be a birthday party or something in the pool area and a parent would give us a whole pizza and be like, here, you guys, we have an extra one. Like, thanks for working today or whatever. There's this whole pizza there. I come down on break and I get a slice of it. I'm eating it. This another lifeguard comes in and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, eating pizza. He's like, that's my pizza. And I was like, this isn't here for everybody. He's like, no, I brought that whole pizza for myself. And I was like, why is it on the table then? And he opens the box and he sees that I have not, I have, I'm eating one slice, but the other lifeguards on break have basically eaten the entire pizza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was, and then an we open... all had to get. We all had to get talked to by this, like, at our next like big meeting. It was like, Hi. guys, please label your food. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I I did an open mic once, and I had just received a, a really nice cake from my my job because it was my birthday, and I had like my stuff over in the corner, and I went to go talk to somebody, and I see people starting to sniff around my cake box, and I was like, ah, blah, blah, blah. it's mine. <laughs> I am not sharing this icebox cake for Magnolia. It's too good. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to defend your stuff. I truly had to. I would have pissed on it if it would have helped. Not on the cake, <laughs> on the box. I'm, on not the box. A, I'm, not, I'm not a lunatic. But you, I should have, you should have some like weird, creepy hentai stickers to put on the box. You're like we all know who this belongs to. <laughs> don't touch anyone. It. Anyone still around? Well, you've got a story, don't you? <laughs> All right, last piece of listener mail. Um, this is coming from one of our anime sugar parents, uh, Threnody. Um, Trinity. I think I think it's. We we try to clarify this in the Discord. She said it's pronounced like Trinity. Yeah, but it's. I think because I was saying Threnody. Yes, yeah, I, so I. I think it's, it's Threnody. I think it's more. Like, it's like oh, so, Trinity. So it but rhymes not, maybe, with Trinity, but it's not Trinity. Okay. Yeah, it's either Trinity or Threnody. I think it's Threnody. Okay. Oh, I thought it was one of them silent H's. I'm doing I'm doing my best here, guys. Um, we are doing our best. We're at max capacity of competence here at Watch for Mercury for names. Part of being sort of like uh, international anime review superstars is we get a, a <laughs> plethora of names that are we try to figure out. So, okay, subject line. It's getting dull. Metallic Rouge is, is starting to show that it is the name of a bad Revlon color. Never trust a show where your main character has the name of a product the L'Oreal higher-ups would not release. Unless you rename every character in the show after a lipstick color. 
That could be fun. Using this theory, Naomi could be renamed Boring Brown and Off-White. This makes sense because she's not hot. She's off-hot. <laughs> I think the writers need to do a colony drop. Thoughts? It's a mecha show and Mars looks tougher than Earth. Thanks, Threnody. I think I, I agree with a lot of the points from our listener mail. I think I think we're all being a little too harsh for episode three. I, Shut I, up. I, I think we're being a little <laughs> harsh for three episodes. I, yes, yes and no. I don't know. There's, it is, you know, every single great TV show out there starts with a rocky start. There are a handful that really grab you in, right? Yeah. But like, it's episode three. And I'm like, I, the word, like, I feel like episode two was to be like, hey, there's going to be action in this. But it wasn't what I wanted. And now we're kind of back in the themes of episode one. But it feels... I don't know. It All three episodes feel like different shows right now. A, a little bit. I, I feel like there was enough cohesion, but I do get your point of they were different vibes to do that were done too close together a little bit. It's like, okay, yeah. fight show, train heist, and then a savior of the compound like we're jumping around this world in a way that's like okay we got to pick a lane a little bit so if this if this problem persists to episode four five six i will a thousand percent join everybody but right now i'm like okay a lot of good stuff starts rocky i didn't even think it was that rocky it's just not quite what we were hoping for i think episode one could be blown up into a whole 12 episodes like, yeah. imagine it's a story about Rouge, who's a Neon, and the Neons are not give from aliens. They're just androids. And she is working for the singer, Viola. And the, the show is, they're trying to, like, it's like Blade Runner. They're trying to hunt down this one Neon. And it's like a, um, a Death Note situation, like Light versus L, oh. kind of like a deductive game. Like, like Rouge is on to her, but she needs the evidence to prove it. Like, we have the whole noir vibe. Like, I think that could be yeah. really interesting. Not to say that this won't, maybe won't be interesting, but like, what I'm trying to figure out what the what the seasoning is that I need. I, I think I need a clear fight on the horizon. Okay, we need a clear fight on the horizon, and this show also might have the problem that I had when I wrote my musical, which is we did what I call a reverse Peter Jackson. We accidentally started the musical about three or four times, whereas Return of the King ends like four <laughs> times. We accidentally had four points where I'm like, oh, these could all be the beginning of a show. We should pick one. So it yeah. might have that problem where it's showing you what this world can do. But in so doing, you're like, what is this world going to do? Yeah, like there's a lot of elements here. And I think with um uh Witch from Mercury season one, right? We had like a lot of factions, we had episodes with no fighting, but every single time we had an episode with no fighting, we were like, the next duel is coming up. The next yeah. duel is next episode is the duel between these people, you know? The moment like, will arrive for fighting. The moment will arrive for fighting. And I mean we're guaranteed that the moment will arrive for fighting. I wish it wasn't two episodes between Immortal Nine fights. Yeah, and 
I I wonder if in hindsight I will look at the pilot and go, yeah, that was another one where it should have been episode four. Like the show in some ways does kind of feel like a like a show that as much as I like when a show drops us in to a world while it's happening, mm-hmm. maybe should have dropped us a bit earlier in the happenings. It, yeah. it, it, it maybe could have benefited from having a little bit more of a piloty pilot. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of room for improvement so far. Who knows? Maybe we get to the end of this and we go, you know what? Loved it. No notes. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that they went hentai at the end, but you know what? I cried. I did cry. I sobbed. And I even watched this with my parents. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I called my dad afterwards. You wouldn't think a, a squid porny thing would make you do that. But you know what? Sometimes. Sometimes. All right, guys. Thank you for thank you all for writing in. We really appreciate you guys interacting with the podcast. Um, so all listener mail can go to watchfrommercury at gmail.com. And here we are 45 minutes into the episode. And we're about to cover this little bit of plot. Um, so we start off in Wellstown. The bus has arrived. Uh, there's a traveling carnival in town. Uh, Neon approaches Rouge and Naomi and is like, we need to search your baggage. And then the Neon brings them to the office of the businessman who was on the bus the whole time. Naomi gives him Viola's ID, the little rainbow ball. And then he gives Naomi a box. And the box has another robotic bird in it. Confirmed so, it's a mecca. I love <laughs> I love that the the at least in the dub that the spheres are called ids. Because it's like ID, but it's also like your id. I oh. That was cool. And uh, the fact that the bird comes in like an iPhone box. <laughs> I like so, the so iPhone funny. box bird. Like it takes a minute to like get it, shake it out. That was fun. When uh, she unzips it, I immediately thought of paprika and recoiled a little bit. <laughs> it's like, why is <laughs> unzipping something giving me pain? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so... Uh, Naomi gets a call. She confirms the exchange is done with someone on the phone who is called Vice Director Gene Jungheart. Uh, Rouge is like, what'd he say? And Naomi is like, your big, your big brother says he has high hopes. Rouge seems she, like she's delighted by this. Um, I think Naomi made it up. And then Naomi says, yeah, for me, he said to keep taking good care of you. Uh, Rouge makes a surprise Pikachu face. Is, she actually her, his old, is he actually her older brother? We will never know, I'm guessing. Maybe it's just like, I don't know. Who knows how they're going to flesh out this relationship? I, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, I think if there was one thing that I would really want to see that could actually solve a few problems at once, it would be like, okay, who's this guy? Why is he called your brother? And why did he... Clearly, he is like your Charlie to your Charlie's angels. He's sending you on these missions and why? So if we just get if we get a moment with that character and he just does a big exposition dump, it actually could kill several iPhone birds with one stone. Yeah, yeah, I well, I'm I'm excited for him to give us something. Um, the intro music plays this time. I paid attention again. My notes are I like the music because it reminds me of 90s and 80s anime. Like this could yeah. be a Yu Yu Hakusho intro, yes. in my opinion. It's very Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, I I have come around on the 
uh, outro song. I do like the intro song better, but I like I do like both of them now that I've sat with them. Um, okay, we go back to the episode. We are in some fancy schmancy space station hovering over Earth. Uh, the director plays piano. He has the IDs of Neus and Arceus in front of him. Uh, he gets a phone. He gets like a holo, hologram call that uh, Viola's ID has left Mars, but a Krona has been snooping around, and he's like, "We will take measures to stop their discovery." Blah, blah, Is blah. a Krona like the FBI? Yeah, I was kind of getting like like I'm I'm okay with there being a bunch of factions as long as they're clearly delineating what each one of them is doing i would prefer there weren't a lot of them but if you just tell me exactly what they're doing and why i will forgive some of this because real life like you and i are obsessed with history podcasts how many hundreds of organizations have we had to hear the names of oh yeah it's like okay oh, that's yeah. just that's what happens but narratively it's like okay don't just say a corona and show me one guy and like the fact that you're now showing me cops, I'm like, okay, so they're not cops. And also I love that this show kind of hates cops. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> that's beside the point. But you gotta, you, I can't go on these sort of inklings forever. It's going to feel muddy. Right. Yeah. I think it would help if, I know we were on the plane when the inspector came to Mars and he was like, our suspect is on Mars. I think it would have been nice if he and his neon were just like, we got to find the guy who does this because blah. Like yeah. if they just, just said it one line, that'd be nice. This um, hopefully doesn't, and, but maybe has the Akira problem that like one line just kind of said out loud would have just trickled down, fixed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, get at me at watchmercury at gmail.com and inevitably correct me and be like, um, he did say it, uh, but it's cl- not clear enough to me at this point. Um, so... The hologram guy also mentions that the carnival is in town at, in the same town as Rouge. Um, and he's like, oh, that's a coincidence. So Chekhov's clown. Um, yes. I think the traveling carnival is probably uh, Jalen, Jalen's thing because he's kind of a joker looking guy, like a okay. clown. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be evil because we see the big scary boat thing fly in the end yeah and i was just thinking like man a traveling carnival this far in the future like i feel like when we're that far in the future our options for stimulating our brain are going to be so far beyond watching a carnival yeah my question is like what what can you see at that carnival are there and i apologize for using this term but culturally are there circus freaks when there are (laughs) when there are robots like at what point have we moved past like some of the stuff you'd see at a carnival where it is wholly uninteresting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what these people would be going is there for. A, is there a strong man? Like, I'm not really impressed if this robot can <laughs> lift, you know, a building with his pinky. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, anyway, back in Wellstown, Rouge and Naomi talk. Their next tar- target is Phantom Verde, and he's somewhere in the Neon Settlement. Uh, Naomi spots investigator Ash from Okrona. Um, he's they're down in the plaza below. Naomi eats some chips that are delightfully named chips tortilla. Uh, love I, that I, translation. I have also noted that. I was like, if he doesn't say it, I'm going to be like, she's eating chips tortilla, huh? Yeah. 
Also, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know. My notes are a little out of order, but I believe they refer to Neon as a scarhead. So it is confirmed that that is a slur. Yeah, later, later they do. Oh, yes. it's later. Okay, apologies. My notes are a little scattered. Um, the uh, Ash's assistant, Neon, explains uh, he exposition dumps a little bit, saying the largest Neon settlement on Mars is in Wellstown. Uh, Naomi explains to Rouge that the entrance to the settlement is heavily guarded. Only certain people can come and go. And then we get like a little scene. They go to the sauna and they kind of just reflect on the Jean's plan, I guess. Um, and I do have a note here. I know we got to stop talking about this, but like a remarkably unhorny sauna scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were just, I, they're just living their lives. I was good yeah. with that. It's all about the camera angle. I tell you what, the male gaze really yeah. does things to a show. <laughs> it really does. I, do we know a lot about the crew of the show? Like, are there women in the writer's room? And I, I honestly, it just occurred to me now. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think we ever looked at the credits. I don't know. Let's see. Is, does this thing have an IMDb page? Do they make IMDb pages for... Oh, I guess we'll just do anime list. Okay. Uh, so far, it's got a 7.13 on my anime list, so it's decent. Uh, okay. Let's see. Staff. Um, Because this show written, like, and or show ran by the guy that made Tenchi Muyo different show. Let's see. Um, there's a lot of faces. Uh, looks like there is a, at least one woman on script. Okay. Uh, a lot of theme song people here. Yeah. I mean, I'm scrolling. A lot of these faces are just not, they don't, they have names, but no photo. So I don't know if they're men or women necessarily okay. gotcha but there is at least one woman on staff <laughs> okay well, we've got some kind of foothold i wish that was more but and uh so speaking of women back to our women in the future uh they go to eat after the sauna rouge notices her chocolate is gone she's like what happened and naomi gave the rest of the kids i thought it was old bus. i threw it out <laughs> yeah she's like oh i gave it to the kids on the bus you grew up uh, and I love when the kid goes, bye-bye, because uh, it reminds me of the baby Grinch from the Jim Carrey Grinch. <laughs> uh, Rouge, I'm going to buy more. Naomi, no, you're not. We have a strategy meeting. Rouge, Jill said I was free. She said freedom means I can make my own choice. Freedom, you know there's no such thing. Acting on your own free will disqualifies you as an agent. Rouge, I don't fight. I always fight on my own free will. All you do is stand behind me and watch. Naomi, don't get smart with the person who makes that all possible for you. You're nothing but a tool for Alethea. Just a piece of equipment, really. Ruse storms off. Um, she's walking through the city saying stupid Naomi a bunch. Naomi is listening to her through her earpiece. Uh, Ruse throws her earpiece on the ground. And then she spots three soldiers hassling a neon. And they're like, we're going to dispose of you. You're broken. Uh, this is where we hear them say Scarhead. So yes. And by the confirm way, slur. all the stuff that happens in that breakup scene, I thought was good. It just didn't pay off enough. Like we didn't have enough that went. I keep saying it, but it's true. We didn't have enough just watching them be friendly enough or getting to know them as people. Yeah, that, that would have really felt. I would have really felt something watching that because the, the dialogue is good. 
I didn't have any problem with any of the writing in this episode other than that it feels like they're speed running. Yeah, they're like so speed running. I don't I just don't understand it. Um so um they're hassling the neon. They're like, we're going to dispose of you. Uh, and then Rouge approaches. She throws a soldier to the ground and yells, neons are not tools or equipment. Uh, the doctor from the bus approaches. His name is Dr. Ofdal. The soldiers recognize him. And the neon they were bullying is his uh, is Rion, his assistant. Uh, Ofdal says Rouge is also with him. And then the soldiers leave. And they're like, just bring us the you know what, which is crazy to say in front of just random people on the street. Uh, and then yeah, my other note here is Rouge threw a soldier on the ground. They should have shot her right away. She fucking Aikido threw that soldier. It was really fun to watch, but also it's like, and there were no consequences. Okay, yeah. Oh, the doctor's here. All right, carry on. <laughs> Are cops better um, in this world? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Rouge wants to get inside the gate. She mentions it to the doctor. He gives the soldiers some nectar and they pass through the gate to the Neon settlement. Uh, inside, we see Huey meeting with the Council of Neons. They're deb debating whether or not they should meet with Rouge. They're all skeptical, but their leader, Yuval, says they should, they should meet with her. And then we see shots of the Neon settlement, which kind of looks like a uh, dark Blade Runner slum, essentially. A little bit. Uh, the doctor goes into a home uh, and he treats a former military neon named Dahlia. And I think this is hilarious that they go. Um, he's like, hold her down. Come on, help me hold her. And then he's all he's doing is just like injecting her with nectar, presumably. So it's like, like, what does a neon doctor do that isn't just squirt goo into people? <laughs> uh, I mean, if we really think about it, squirting goo into people is a big part of what doctors do. That is a big I, part of what doctors do. I never quite do. phrased it like that, but I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of goo squirting. A lot of goo squirting. A lot of squirting um, that goo. It's good goo. It helps you out, but... Outside, uh, the doctor's smoking a cigarette, which he does so much of this episode. Sure does. Uh, he smokes cigarettes like he's an actor on a sitcom who is like leaning on that cigarette for his performance. Yes. Like he, he has, <laughs> it's, it's business, as they say, in acting. Smoke that cigarette. Yeah. And they they really want you to see it. It's like big in the frame, too. Yeah. Um. So he explains to Rouge that Dahlia's signals are messed up. Basically, she's operated too long outside of her lifespan, but her employer won't let her die. She doesn't even have the right to die, essentially. Uh, Rion says that employees who hire combat neon, neon, neons, neons get a subsidy. Uh, they're literally consumable goods. Uh, then they ask where Rouge is going, and she's like, uh, I don't know. Where should I go? And at this point, I would be like, go away. <laughs> um, she's then approached by the CFN council members, the Council of Free Neons. Somewhere else, there's a uh, CFN member who has the bad haircut who didn't want to let Rouge in. He is approached by Jalen, and his name, we later find out, is Dumas, which is spelled like dumbass. Um, yeah. Wells, back in Wellstown, Investigator Ash tries to meet with the Wellstown chief of police and is totally ignored. Uh, Naomi feels bad about what she said to Rouge and bought her chocolate. Realize, and then she realizes that uh, Rouge headed to the Neon settlement. Back in the settlement, 
Rouge is brought to the CFN. She sees Huey there. He saw her transform that night in episode two. Uh, she meets with Yuval, who is their leader and also a child. Um, elsewhere, the doctor visits Dahlia again. He's uh, skeptical of the CFN because he ke- he keeps saying that like fighting for freedom goes too far. Yeah, he he th- he's he's very world as a vampire misanthrope. Like, oh well, once they get power, they're just going to abuse it too. He's thinking that they're going to be like the French Revolution, and we're yeah. going to get like a robot Robespierre. And there's going to be too many beheadings. And on the one hand, I think that they could use that interestingly if he's just sort of like so curmudgeonly that he's against anyone doing anything. On the other hand, part of me is like, come on, you know, it's different. But yeah. also, but also to be fair, he's a little bit of a prop for the show to make its point clear on that via Dahlia. So I get it. She's like, is it like she actually they actually let her yeah. talk <laughs> like in a in a way yeah. that really helped. I don't know. I think he's just there because the 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 show the producers ordered too many cigarettes and they're like, well, somebody's got to smoke these. Um, <laughs> that's how this works, right? That's how this works. He's animated cigarettes. You got to get rid of them. Uh, so Dumas comes in and was like, "Hello, long time no see." Uh, back over to Rouge. Uh, Yuval gives her a tour. The town. He basically says the settlement was built for neons returning from the war. The Asimov Code prevents the Neons from fighting for freedom because they have to obey and not harm humans. Uh, then we get uh, Yuval saying he was made, made as a substitute child for parents who couldn't have kids. He had he says that he had 23 parents. And then some other Neon is like, there were some who used Yuval, a permanent child for evil. And I was like, who the fuck is blowing up Yuval's spot right now? Like, who? <laughs> this is kind of like... Way, he was molested. <laughs> this is kind of like if Haley Joel Osment and AI was used for nefarious purposes. Yeah, this is like... I don't know why he said he had 23 sets of parents. I don't know why that was important. Just and to I say also, that he's old, but then we only get to meet him for a little bit. And I also don't know why they made sure to be like, this little boy, this robotic little boy, had bad things happen to him. <laughs> I think like you're interrupting his little speech to be like, "Don't forget you were molested, sir." <laughs> I th- I thought it was more like they used him to do bad things. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I, it was both. Maybe? He's had 23 sets of parents, and this world is fucked. So I'm I'm yeah, assuming it was I a little column A, a little column B. It felt like he was going to make a point, and then the other Neon was like, <laughs> and also, in case you think he's weird, just know yeah. that this happened to him. Just know two of his parents were Hitlers. Yeah. So, um, he explains that uh, there are a group of Neons called Alters who rebel against the humans by force. The CFN is in contact with them. There's an informant in the settlement. Yuval. What we seek is not your strength. It's your free will. You aren't bound by the Asimov code. You interact with humans as an equal. That gives your existence itself great meaning. Even just knowing that a neon like you walks in step with us will give many neons hope. I think, you know, I'm assuming we're going to get some backstory on this, but I, th- I wonder if this show would be helped out if episode one, at least just for a split second, showed us Rouge being created. Just show her, yeah. Day, literally day one of her existence, some scientists or whatever, and why and why she's different, so that we know as she's going about this that like 
she's built literally she's built different because they yeah. tell us but i want more and i'm hoping yeah. this isn't a replay of Saletta. why does she look like Ario? Oh, because she's a clone and it sucks but i wonder if i i hope that the legacy of this show for us because i don't know if it's going to be big enough to have a legacy per se but isn't going to be like Man, if they had just written episodes one, two, and three and then started where they started, it would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once again, uh, feels like they're writing this week by week. Hmm. Um, not, anyway. But I wouldn't be surprised either. So elsewhere, Duma and Afdal conclude talking. Um, Afdal takes a swig from his uh, flask and then goes, he's full of shit as always. Uh, Dahlia dies and then is promptly thrown in the trash, which I know is sad, but is also hilarious. Um, the, they've sent a literal like just a, just a garbage truck to come get her. That was it was sad. It was fucked up because it was it was funny because it was sad. We're just like, wow, yeah. that is that's how they get rid of these, huh? Imagine like a family member dies and you're like, oh, well, we got to put her out in the street right now so the bulldozer can come and pick her up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like a little like. You're not going to like let her live in the house for a little bit or like give her a burial and like, nope, straight in the garbage. I don't know. Right Um, to the mass grave. No Shiva, no nothing. So uh, Rouge walks to the settlement and ponders the situation when Rion comes up to her and then tells her that Yuval wishes to see her. Naomi's bird spots this. Uh, Rouge enters a building alone to find Yuval dead. <gasps> um, the other CFN m- members walk in on her, finding him dead. And they're like, did you do this? Which is a trope I'm kind of sick of in TV. Um, and then they, then, to be fair, are instantly like, no, no, you didn't. They move on yeah. pretty quick. But <laughs> Valid question. Uh, to- Duma tells them to keep it quiet so the humans don't get involved, which is, I mean, he is Phantom Verde, right? probably i think so um elsewhere the doctor approaches the soldiers uh and he's he like tips them off about something and then back in the police station we see soldiers running down the hallway and the investigator tries to talk to the police chief again and the chief gives him nothing outside naomi wonders about what's happening and we see an airship approach and that's the end of the episode why is the investigator talking to the chief of police even though he's not going to talk to him don't know. don't know why are these scenes included don't know don't know uh an airship on mars with a balloon come on i come on the last shot is is a is a little abrupt i think we can all agree it, it should have either faded out or gone like one second longer it would have been fine but it kind of felt like oh where's where's the rest of this moment i didn't even need more than it just flying yeah. it just needed to be a tiny bit longer yeah agreed and that's the end of the episode. Um, is it going to keep sucking? Is it going to get better? We'll find out next week I wouldn't, on Metallic Rouge. I wouldn't say it sucks, but I, I could see a potential future timeline where we've watched the whole thing and we're like, so that sucked, huh? A lot of this is cautious optimism yeah. is keeping me afloat. I also, uh, I forget where they did it, but uh, good on them for showing us Venus and how fucked up it is. Whereas Witcher yeah. Mercury told us how fucked up Mercury was and never actually showed us how anyone would live there. Oh, yeah. I forgot that part of the discussion where they're like, yeah, they're they're sending Neons to Venus to terraform it and they just die and they can't recover the bodies. Yeah. Which I like. That's yeah. that's super messed up. And again, that's very Blade Runner. Like they were built to 
terraform or I forget exactly what they were doing, but you know, disposable slave labor. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how this improves. It's going to be great when, but, when, uh, when Naomi has that monologue about tears and rain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to find out that Naomi is a neon. That's what I want. Oh, wow. Um, well, when, when Edward James almost gives her a little unicorn out of origami. Well, yeah. no. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Continue sending in your listener mail to watchfrommercury at gmail.com and subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash watchfrommercury. Get bonus episodes and join the Discord. But we're so grateful to have you all listening. Um, if I was watching this show alone, I would have stopped halfway through episode two. But since I'm doing this for a podcast and having fun discussing it mm-hmm. with all of you, I will keep watching it. Yay. So that's That should be on the poster for Metallic Rouge. I'd have stopped, but there was a podcast to do, so... Yeah. <laughs> I kind of signed up for it, and it's only 12 weeks, so it's not the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> and please leave Watch for Mercury five stars and a nice review on your podcatcher app of choice. I forgot to ask for that for like a whole year, and it really helps the numbers. And if you don't want to give us five stars, don't put anything. It can only harm us if you go below five. Yeah, we we uh, we had someone give us not five, presumably because they're um, an old homophobic dickhead yeah. back in the Wish for Mercury days. Mm. So we're trying to rebuild that score. Hit us with the five-star review on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just hit the little button. Hit the other button that says five. Um, but yeah, we'll talk to you all uh, next week. Bye. The moment is arrived for ending.